This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 10th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Money earmarked for bridges to nowhere and statues of Dr. Seuss strike most people as egregious uses of federal taxpayer funds. But earmarks don't increase federal spending. And they're not just used as handouts, they're used as weapons to wring a few more votes for legislation that could be far worse than the earmark. Jeff Patch, a budget fellow at the Cato Institute, says even those who fight earmarks vigorously don't agree on a common definition of the word. So where did the issue come from? I think the issue stemmed a lot from corruption in in how the Republicans handled earmarks and spending. Um, there were some very high-profile high scandals with uh, former Congressman Duke Cunningham and Jack Abramoff that I think really pushed uh, – the willingness for congressional leaders to enact reform into the forefront. And I think that really contributed to a lot of Democrats winning closely contested races that President Bush had won in 2004 because spending was such a big issue. And uh, I think the general population sort of viewed Republicans as as breaking their pledge to be fiscal conservatives. And earmarks were sort of of icing on the cake for um, for that view. It's easy to point out an earmark. It's easily understood. It's not a huge piece of spending, but it is extremely egregious, and it can get people really upset. But what is the fiscal impact of earmarks on the federal budget? People often look look at earmarks. Uh, earmark defenders will say that there are only less than 1% of the federal budget, and reforming earmarks is useless because it won't have any impact on spending. But I think most congressional leaders and most members of Congress recognize that earmarks are often used to grease the legislative trains and to bully members into passing huge entitlement programs and passing other controversial spending legislation that they might not otherwise support. But when their district is threatened with losing $15 million or losing um, you know, a big road project, then, then the pressure from their constituents on that issue will sort of blind them into major federal issues that they've been sent to Washington to work on. And so earmarks really pit states and districts against each other, and the losers end up being the federal taxpayer most of the time. Or the taxpayer who's not involved in that dispute at all. That's right. Is it fair to say that earmarks are a minor issue? I don't think it's fair to say that earmarks are a minor issue because they have they have such an impact on the entire legislative process. I mean, I, I, I guess we sort of discussed this a little bit with, uh, but if you look at particular issues such as the the Medicare uh, bill in two thousand five, um, it it's been reported that that Tom Delay you know pressured members using uh, you know holding votes open. But one of the other tactics that he used was. Uh, was telling members that you know their district is going to lose out and then they'll hold a grudge if, if you don't support this bill. So um, e- even though it's just sort of a, a minor issue um, in the minds of, of prolific earmarkers on the Appropriations Committee, it's, it's really a major issue that I think taxpayers are starting to wake up and realize that, uh, that it's important that, that they be concerned about. What's the role of the executive branch? Well, the, the role of the executive branch is, is often minimized in the earmarking process because most people view earmarks as only a congressional problem uh, in the Appropriations Committee. But the president has uh, a lot of authority to also suggest earmarks um, that often don't uh, even entail the limited scrutiny that, uh, that the congressional process gives for earmarks. There was a recent appropriation uh, 
that the president made for his wife's librarian program that that told seven million dollars that was in an unrelated uh, departmental agency. It was it was in uh, veterans and a military program, and the the president um, in the State of the Union in two thousand eight said that he would take a hard line on earmarks and that he wanted Congress to cut the amount of earmarks by half. And the problem with with the earmark debate is often that. Uh, interest groups and other groups that track earmarks have uh, not agreed on a common definition for what an earmark is. But I think most people would would agree that that study the process that when when the president proposes spending for specific areas that you know that uh, skirts the competitive bidding process and that doesn't have any scrutiny that that is just as destructive to fiscal policy as congressional earmarks. Democrats have been trying to maintain their position as being more trusted than Republicans on fiscal issues, so they've attempted to reform the process. Democrats made some important reforms uh, following on Republican embarrassment in 2006. Republicans uh, quickly uh, made a rule change to require more earmark disclosure. But when that rule expired at the end of the session in 2006, the Democrats came in and instituted their their own reforms. These form th- these reforms fall fall short because what, what's the problem with the system is is not uh, the fact that money is diverted to to pay for programs. The problem is really a lack of transparency. And where the Democrats have fallen short is that they still do not require disclosure of earmark requests on the internet. They, they still don't ban earmarks from being dropped in at, at, in the last minute at conference reports. And I think most, most people in the reform community don't want to just end all earmarks whatsoever. They just want to... Uh, add some transparency into the system so that taxpayers and watchdogs and the media can look at these earmarks before they're voted on and sort of vet them so that, you know, so that Congress is not funding bike paths in, uh, in Alaska and bridges in Alaska and all sorts of sort of ridiculous programs that taxpayers wouldn't authorize if they knew what they were. It seems that there is an assumption that if you have greater transparency associated with earmarks that suddenly lawmakers would be shamed into uh, not putting earmarks into bills. Do you think that's true? I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that some of the more egregious ones would would be dismissed, but I think that too often reform groups sort of discount the huge pressure among lawmakers' constituents. And I'm not talking about sort of your average constituent, your average Joe guy, but if you're an appropriator and you're, mem- and you're a member of Congress, you'll have a steady stream of, of Chamber of Commerce, Commerce folks, uh, people, from your, people from major cities in your district constantly coming to your congressional office to ask you for money. And these folks are influential opinion leaders often in the district. And it really takes courage for a member of Congress to decide that, um, to look at the evidence and to realize that, you know, all this competition between districts is really not good for the federal government and a more appropriate uh, way of funding a lot of these projects would be through the states. But a lot of towns and nonprofits in, in congressional districts have become dependent on these funds. And it Members of Congress really think that they would be taking a huge risk if, if they upset all these people and decided that they weren't going to continue earmarking. Jeff Patch is a budget fellow at the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. Read more on federal budgets and earmarking at Cato.org.